Welcome to the Fiber for Breakfast podcast, a series that discusses fiber as the critical infrastructure for today's growing broadband needs. Listen in as Gary Bolton, CEO and President of the Fiber Broadband Association, speaks with industry thought leaders and experts about connectivity issues and the impact on the remote workplace. I hope you enjoy today's discussion, which will start momentarily. And remember to subscribe and like this podcast on your favorite platform. Good morning, everyone. And welcome to the Fiber Broadband Association's Fiber for Breakfast. We're in our fourth episode, week four, 2021. Um, before I begin, I'd like to mention that the long forms for the RDOF auction winners are due to the FCC this Friday, January 29th. The Fiber Broadband Association, along with NTCA and Cartesian, have been working on a low Earth orbit satellite technical analysis that we'll be providing to the FCC to better equip the agency to carefully vet the non-fiber applications to ensure that rural Americans get the broadband performance they're promised. All right, so back to our regularly scheduled program. This morning, we're gonna speak with Commissioner Tim Echoes from the Georgia Public Service Commission. Commissioner Echoes is gonna share with us this morning some of the recent broadband decisions in Georgia. But before I introduce Tim, I'd like to introduce Trish uh, Ehlers from our team who's gonna walk us through some housekeeping items. Good morning and thank you, Gary. Good morning, everyone who's joined us. I'm gonna quickly go over a few logistical items uh, for the webinar. Please keep in mind that all participants are in listen mode only. To ask a question, all you need to do is type it in the question box located within your control panel and Gary will host a Q&A session toward the end. Uh, this presentation is being recorded and will be available to members on FBA's website within 24 hours. You can find the recording in the events tab under the Fiber for Breakfast drop-down option. If you are not a member, we'll be happy to provide you with information on how to join the FBA. At the conclusion of the presentation, you'll be prompted to complete a brief feedback sur survey. Please do take a moment to do so. We do appreciate your input. And now I'll pass it back to Gary to introduce our panelists and get us started. Thank you, Trish. And again, good morning and welcome everybody. I'm Gary Bolton, President and CEO of the Fiber Broadband Association. And today we're gonna to be discussing Georgia's recent broadband decisions. So joining us today is the Georgia Public Service Commissioner, Tim Echoes. Tim serves as Vice Chairman and has served on the Georgia PSC for over a decade. During his tenure, he has taken Georgia from 34th in the nation in solar energy into the top 10. This past year, Conservatives for Clean Energy dubbed Echoes the solar architect of Georgia. You know, with that success, I suspect he might get recruited to coach football at UGA, where he holds three degrees. Uh, given that Tim has seven kids, he can almost feel the football team. You know, Commissioner Echoes has now turned his sights towards paving the way for rural broadband. So today, Tim is gonna share with us his broadband journey uh, and the re recent broadband decisions in Georgia. So welcome, Commissioner Echoes. You know, you have quite a track record for success, and we're anxious to hear about your efforts to speed the deployment of broadband to the underserved areas of your state. So let's jump right in, as we have want to leave plenty of time for Q&A. Thanks, Gary. Can you hear me okay, Gary? Everybody give me a thumbs up. Good, thanks. And I can't, you know, I can't think of anything more important in our state right now with COVID still you know, lingering here uh, at the Capitol with nothing going on other than the General Assembly across the street, the Capitol at half capacity, and our office 
is a ghost town. We're doing everything on Zoom. You know, we're kind of following the lead from our our Supreme Court, and uh, this has just made connectivity, you know, uh, paramount. Uh, and I, I think Gary, in the end, it will accelerate uh, the deployment of, of broadband. And we're going to talk about fiber, you know, specifically, uh, you know, because you know, it, you know, fiber is 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 so superior. Uh, I think about a couple of the EMC, a couple of the uh, phone co-ops that we have in South Georgia that have fiber to the home, uh, and just in the middle of this of this internet desert down there, you've got a couple of these co-ops who have, have put fiber all the way to the home, and you know, and part of it is that co-op model, and can't put the genie back in the bottle, can't turn for-profit companies into 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 co-ops after the fact. So, but they've got they do have something going, and I'm uh, and, and I've noted that, and you know, and you know, and wish we could wish we could replicate that. But in the meantime, Gary, uh, we've got a lot of people hard at work here. We've got cable companies who are, you know, are are, are deploying, you know, their product. And I know that in our home, you know, we we switch from Dish over to to cable and. While the speeds are are phenomenal, uh, fiber not available in a in our home. But uh, you know, a lot of the folks out here in Georgia, Gary, they they probably don't even care what they get. They just need something, right? Because they're going to McDonald's <laughs> to get their kids' homework done uh, in rural Georgia towns. Uh, but clearly, folks on this call understand, you know, the the technology. They, you know, they know, you know that fiber, you know, is a fantastic product and that if you can get it deployed from the get-go that you solve your problem for a very long time. Uh, so, uh, and I, I, I'm an evangelical, uh, I, you know, I've got lots of Bibles in my office uh, and so I thought I'd put this slide up to God to let there be light because fiber is, a, you know, a different technology. It's different than copper, different than cable, uh, you know, different different than satellite, and it does involve light. So, I, you know, I do think it's uh, it's important for kids and customers, you know, to know the difference. Because, you know, with everybody at home, working from home, and, and it's not just, as you can see from the photo there with a the couple, it's not just one person, you know, uh, taking up, you know, that bandwidth. It's, it's a bunch of people, and they're doing things they could be doing things that that are sucking a lot, uh, a lot of that bandwidth. You know whether they're, you know, doing school, watching videos, watching movies, playing games. I mean, it's uh, the customer of today very different, you know, than than ten years ago. Fiber optic internet is is worth the effort. Uh, I mean, if I could wave a magic wand, Gary, and, and have, you know, and and have. You know these rural parts of of our state uh, connected. I'd, I'd love to do it. You know, with fiber because non-fiber options often require resubsidizing, right? So you start with something and it works for a little while, but as you know, as we've seen with streaming and everything else, you just need faster and faster speeds. And if you're an area where people are growing, well, the pipe is, you know, the the pipe is you know, full and 
uh, and, and then you get complaints. I mean, no elected official wants wants complaints. I mean, you want we want happy customers. We want happy ratepayers. Uh, we get enough unhappy people, we're going to be out of a job. But uh, obviously, everybody on this call knows that fiber provides su superior speed and reliability. And of course, the deployment of this or any other technology, you know, brings a lot of economic development. I was in the town of Millen in Jenkins County. And back in the day, the Central of Georgia Railroad ran daily trains through Millen on from Atlanta to Savannah. And that train went away and it left it left a town that really didn't have any people coming anymore. And and the last time I was down, they were saying we can't even get, you know, we can't get connectivity to even our city center. And businesses come here, they look and go, you know, tell me about your speech. Well, we don't really have anything. And I, I mean, that that leaves that Georgia town in the dark. Uh, and so, I mean, connectivity is it's the electricity of the 21st century. And I mean, clearly, uh, the path to fiber is not easy. Uh, you all know there's lots of obstacles. And this is me actually at a at a site in a neighborhood, uh, AT&T was, this was, I think actually AT&T um, uh, going through this neighborhood and I'm holding the, uh, I'm, I'm holding the little gizmo that goes under the ground. I forget, I forget what the guys call it, but I was watching the guys, this is, this is, this is very labor intensive. And I was watching them direct this thing almost magically. I mean, there was an art, I left going, wow. I thought this was just science. There's an art. There's an art to going underground, but all of it involves dirt and digging. And I remember when Google Fiber came to town and you know they were, you know, they they were starting to dig and we were, you know, we were realizing that even with shovels, it's very easy to hit a little gas line and bust that gas line. Uh, I mean, just one little. I mean, you think, okay, yeah, a backhoe, an excavator, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to hit stuff if it's not marked. But even with a shovel, just potholing, it's very easy. And so every time you hit a gas line, everything stops, and you know you got to have the gas company out. And then there's an investigation, and there's fines, and and I'm involved with all that because our commission regulates the right of way, right? We do the investigations, we do the fining on that. So you know the path. So fiber not only includes dirt, but it includes it includes investigators and and regulators and fines and classes that you have to go to. I mean, nothing's nothing's easy. So I was out just you know, you know, you can see. I think that's actually a gas line right there, and they were showing me. See that gas line? See how easy it is to hit that? You know, with a shovel, just takes one little. One little pop because if those are older gas lines and they're getting a little, a little hard, it's easy to crack them. Um, so nothing easy about uh, underground. And now we go above the ground, right to to poles. I'm uh, I'm uh, up in the Amicalola EMC territory up in uh, north central Georgia, and you can see that right away cut through there. And you know those guys have to haul those poles in there with a little four-wheeler and uh you know getting you know getting this stuff connected and they've just cut a deal with lj telephone 
Um, and I think we're going to see more and more of this, Gary. I think we're going to see EMCs do more and more partnerships um, and share the love, uh, you know, with uh, companies like LJ Telephone down, uh, I guess, at Colquitt EMC. They're doing a, a joint project with Windstream in southwest Georgia. But this whole poll access issue, you know, it's been, it, it had brewed for quite a while over across the street at the Capitol. Uh, and then last last year, the legislature said, hey, you know, let's send it to the PSC. Let's let them decide, you know, uh, how to handle this. There was this fight that we inherited between cable and the EMCs. And, uh, and they were essentially fighting over poll attachment fees. And, and what's the right thing to do? And frankly, I had not studied polls. I mean, I'd seen them. Obviously, everybody sees them. But I had not really spent that much time thinking about it until this docket came up. Uh, let's go to the next slide. And, and, and we had to make this, this decision, right? So we had to determine rates, terms, and conditions for these EMCs for, and this was our task, just, reasonable, non-discriminatory, and commercially reasonable. And so when you add all those in, you can see why, you know, you can see why Indiana had one formula and Delaware had a formula and TVA had a formula and Arkansas had a formula and the FCC had the preferred formula uh, as far as cable was concerned. It's the formula Georgia Power uses. Um, and then we were tasked with coming up with a Georgia formula. And we, you know, obviously, uh, obviously made a decision on that. It was, it was controversial, I think. But in, in the end, I think, I think we found, you know, we found the right, uh, the right formula. Let's go to the next slide, and I want to kind of explain this a, a little bit. So you see the typical poll, and I'm gonna, I've got a little mock poll here. You can't uh, completely see all of it. I, I'll pull it down. You can see the. You can see the, you know, uh, you know this uh, top area, you know, where the utility is, and you got the the safety zone, and you got, you know, this uh, this uh, you know communication area down here in the yellow, and you got, you know, this the smallest area, you know, where cables attaching, and the 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 pole though uh, obviously doesn't end there. It goes, you know, all the way down to the ground, and then it goes underground. Uh, so we were tasked with, you know, with coming up with, you know, what was just reasonable, fair, commercially viable, you know, to attach. And uh, so uh, as as we looked at as we looked at this, I mean, it couldn't just be some kind of, you know, random formula. We, I mean, we had to we had to come up with something that was mathematical, right? That made sense. So you know, you're had several assumptions, you know, that that uh, the poles are, you know, 40 feet, you know, obviously many of them are, are shorter, but we anticipate replacing these with taller poles as, as they're needed. Um, we're assuming that the average number of attaching entities, you know, was three. Uh, the actual current number is 2.72, but, you know, we're hoping broadband fiber is going to continue to grow. And so we made that assumption. Uh, and so the formula we adopted kind of evenly allocates uh, between all attachers, including the EMCs that, that own the pole, uh, and they're considered an attacher as well, um, the 26 feet of uh, su support space 
you know, the six foot below ground space, um, the uh, and the 3.3 foot communication worker safety zone. So um, we allocated all of that, you know, as we came up, you know, with the formula and of course the one foot area that they were, that broadband was attaching to. And so our formula just reflects what we thought was um, was fairness and something that was commercially reasonable. Um, and so obviously, you know, had we adopted the FCC rate, every poll in the state that, you know, that the EMCs had would have would have dropped down to that rate. It would have been about an $8 million hit for them annually, collectively speaking. And, you know, as, as we looked at all of it, though, it was, okay, what what's really fair? And I learned a lot about polls, just going out, looking at them, looking at the attachments. Um, and in many areas, it was sloppy, honestly. It was, it was a lot of sloppy work out there. And I felt like, man, I'm, you know, one, I'd, I'd like to visually clean this up. And, you know, in talking to the EMC, it's just like, oh, why don't y'all clean this up? Well, we can't, we can't. We can't. We can't uh, just routinely clean this up and build them. And so we wound up adopting a set of terms and conditions as well that gave our EMCs more uh, authority, you know, and we'll talk in a minute about the one touch make ready that, you know, that we came up with. But, um, you know, so if you if you saw the space formulation, you can't really see my formula here, but, you know, there is a there is a formula that we came up with that resulted in these internet companies essentially being responsible for 26.94%, you know, of, of that poll, which translated to $27 and 71 cents. Um, so, um, but we did sweeten the deal for, for cable and unserved areas. And I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll tell you about that moment momentarily. And that, that deal was a one, one buck deal uh, essentially that if you deploy in unserved areas without 25.3 broadband um, the rate's only going to be a dollar per year and we set that for six years after six years this other rate kicks back in and uh and i i think the that my cable friends and i love i love what our cable companies are doing you know in georgia it really is a team effort to get to get everybody connected at this point, but they felt like, you know what, it's gonna, I think their testimony was, if you gave us the one buck deal for 51 years, we could do it. <laughs> I was like, 51 years? Are you kidding me? I can't wait 51 years. I'm gonna be dead here. We we gotta get this, we gotta get this going and we gotta make it work for everybody. And we've got to mainly fulfill the, the job that our legislature gave. So we did come up with this, um, uh, 26.94%, 27.71 uh, dollars, uh, and uh, and at the end of six years, you know, the the rate on those polls will jump to that. But then my colleagues made a number of amendments. Uh, one of them is uh, just a, basically a two-year report card from both EMCs and providers. How are we doing? Because if if this is not working, probably have to go back to the drawing board. So I. Uh, you know, that's uh, the five of us there, the commissioners. Um, you've, I'm sure Bubba McDonald on the far right, you've heard that he survived the bloodbath here in Georgia. Uh, we, we lost two Republican senators, but Bubba was on the ballot. There's only three on the runoff ballot. He, 
he survived. He's 83 years old, was running for a, another term, another six-year term, and he had served 40 years already in public service. He's made a lot of friends and helped a lot of people, honestly. That's why he survived. Um, but uh, we define served uh, here. Um, it's based on the state's broadband map, which our Department of Community Affairs uh, has. And then we implemented this one-touch make-ready system. And the one-touch make-ready, I, I think in the end, broadband guys are gonna really, really be happy about the one-touch make-ready. Um, it's going to be available statewide on EMC polls. It's going to allow cable, telecom, other broadband providers that have signed the new agreement to invoke this one-touch make-ready for simple make-ready work. And and, I, and you know, no one likes to wait on stuff. Uh, you know, the customer's not wanting to wait. And, uh, you know, companies that are deploying, they want to, you know, time is money. They want to they go as fast as they can. So this should really help. Um, it's, it's simply defined as uh, any work done exclusively in the communication space on the pole, which will not involve a service interruption like splicing or work on wireless communications equipment. So that's that's one of the hallmarks, I think, of this decision you know, that was really good. But there continues to be obstacles. Um, you know, just recently, I wrote a letter to our DOT commissioner just about some right away charges in rural Georgia for uh, for communication companies that are going down the road and just what they're having to pay. And, um, I, I, you know, it's if I know that, you know, having things equal may sound like a good idea between urban and rural, but there's still just so many obstacles out here in these unserved areas. I, I just don't want to have anything. I'm not in charge of making this decision. The DOT is, but we certainly chimed in. Obviously, money, you know, you know whether it's a you know FCC grant or uh, a city, Gary, maybe a city that's decided to do like what Thomasville has done in Georgia, create their own their own fiber network. Got competing technologies. I mean, just this weekend, you know, Elon Musk's rocket launched, I think, 13 of their satellites. Their low orbiting, another 13 of their low orbiting si satellites. Obviously, helping people understand. I'm talking about the average consumer. I'm talking city council people, county commissioners, policymakers. Um, you also need, you, know, you, you gotta have leadership. You gotta have them talking about it over across the street in the Capitol. You know, they've gotta be, they've gotta be saying that we gotta do whatever we have to do to get everybody connected as soon as possible. It needs to be just a front of mind issue. And there's, you know, there's so many things that that that's competing with this. I mean, even in these times you go, what can be more important? Well, you know, I mean, they kicked the legislator out of the house yesterday because he wouldn't get a COVID test. Uh, I mean, so that's dominating our news today. Uh, so uh, not broadband, uh, not fiber, not connectivity. It's the legislator being kicked out because he wouldn't get a COVID test. So you're competing, uh, you know, and then of course there's, you know, other issues going on, you know, crossing over railroads, crossing over bridges, uh, some of the, the challenges of just finishing, you know, finishing it out, the bureaucracy of dealing with, you know, with these people, um, you know, that, you know, hold the key to being able to, to finish. Gary, and we can take some, uh, take some questions. Thanks, Tim. Um, yeah, so what, I mean, this is kind of, it's pretty interesting, right, because uh, anytime you talk about 
pole attachments, um, you certainly get two perspectives, one from pole owners and those from non-pole owners. And obviously, you know, and I, I always have this picture of um, I was, before the pandemic, I was down in Sao Paulo, Brazil, and uh, the poles there that went through the city, they, they had so many cables on there that, that basically the poles were, you know, almost bending over from the weight. I mean, it's, it's crazy of how many <laughs> attachments they have. And so obviously, um, you know, maintaining those poles and being able to be safe and, and uh, you know, those things require lots of maintenance because, you know, anything that's hanging up aerial is subject to trees and all kinds of things. And so what, I mean, what was the reaction from the, your pole owners on your one buck deal? I think the EMCs, uh, actually I had, I had, my formula was a little bit different, was going to give them even more money. Mine was amended. I was, uh, I was suggesting $34. Uh, I think my cable friends had a heart attack, you know, on that one. And Tricia Pridemore amended my motion and dropped it to 20, uh, 27. So I think, I think cable still unhappy, you know, with that, that they, they, uh, they wanted that FCC rate and I can understand why. Um, but, you know, as a, as a statewide elected official, Gary, you know, I'm, I've, you know, I'm serving the whole state. I am not appointed. Uh, most commissioners are appointed by the governor. So you're pretty much taking your cue from the governor if you're in that position, not always, but a lot of times. And you now um, I, I represent, even though I'm sitting here in Atlanta, I represent rural Georgia too. And, and I just, you know, when I thought about, you know, just and reasonable, the reasonableness of of what these EMCs, their nonprofit organizations, what they're having to go through to stand up their network and some of them really struggling. Um, um, and I just I just felt like, you know, th this is this is fair. And and I've, I've got to I've got to look at all of it and the burden on connecting the entire state, you know, uh, it's not on just my shoulders, right? I mean, this is a, this is a problem that you work on every day, Gary, but uh, the, you know, there are many people here in Georgia, you know, thinking about this today, probably every city and county in rural Georgia that doesn't have a decent, you know, decent option for people, they're, they're thinking, how, how can we do this and how long is it going to take? So one of the things that, you know, we, well, let me ask, first ask you, uh, given the one buck deal, has that spurred deployment of broadband into rural Georgia? I mean, where, where are you on that? Well, we just made the decision in December. So I don't think we've, I don't think we've had time to see it, but clearly the two year checkup that my colleague put in here that's required, okay, how many additional connections have been made? we're gonna have a chance to see if it's working. Meanwhile, there's more FCC money that's coming out there. I mean, there's a lot of opportunities. And Gary, think about this. Remember when universal service was created by Congress that said everyone has to have a landline? Um, I really think under the Biden administration, you could have a move toward that. I know he hadn't signed an executive order in that, but from, you know, from being on the NARU telecom committee, I mean, universal broadband is the mechanism that would do it and do it fast. But obviously, it would cause, uh, it, it, I mean, if you funded it through 
through the junk fees on on those bills, they would be jacked up substantially. Um, and so I'm, I'm not sure precisely how you would fund that, but once that decision was made, it doesn't matter how much it costs to go down Mrs. Smith's dirt road, you've got to go down it and you've got to provide her that service. And, and then companies would essentially, just like they do with us for our universal service fund withdrawals, these small telecom companies, you would submit uh, the, the amount of subsidy that you needed in order to you know, get Mrs. Smith and everybody else connected and, and you would draw that down you know, as, as a subsidy. So I think under a Biden administration, you could see that he's got two years really with you know with the two chambers uh, and i think since covid has accentuated just how important connectivity is there's probably not a better time uh for them to do it i'm not i'm not necessarily suggesting this is a policy policy decision but it is the thing that's been you know back there brewing you know as an idea for many people and i think it would I think it would fix it. Well, we certainly, with the Biden administration, we're seeing um, a big focus on jobs and fiber delivers a lot. As you mentioned, um, you know, with the, the example you gave of that community that was between Atlanta and Savannah on the rail line, you know, when the rail line closed, the, you know, jobs, you know, dried up and being able to get fiber to all these communities really brings that's yes, economic development and jobs. And so uh, we just uh, submitted a, a, a letter into the administration and Congress yesterday on that fact with a, a number of uh, associations that signed on to that letter. Uh, let me ask you a question. Gary, I, I, on that, Gary, on that topic, before we go to the next question, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of baristas out there in college these days, kids that are art majors, history majors, drama majors. I mean, I got to pay as a boy. I, I owned a car cleanup shop when I was 16, you know, working in the heat, you know, buffing and waxing cars, you know, steam cleaning engines, getting sprayed with grease and coming home and smelling. And there are not a lot of kids that like that these days. And I, I, I'm, I, I think we need to send more of our kids to technical college. We need, we need more of them appreciating manual labor because if we're going to connect, we're going to connect everybody. We're going to have to have some folks that don't mind digging and don't mind getting in a bucket and getting out in the cold and getting dirty. Uh, that's uh, that's going to be important. Well, it sounds like you read the letter because that's basically what we were saying is apprenticeship programs and being able to really um, you know promote uh, more job growth, especially in these areas. Uh, you know, we only have really time for one more question and. You know, given are serving um, this, these rural unserved areas with electricity, are you seeing that uh, any of those co-ops are starting to look into providing broadband? Some of them are. I think the lower third, if you divided EMCs into one third, small, you know, the smaller ones and the medium-sized ones, and then the larger ones like Jackson EMC and Cobb EMC, the big, the big boys, those lower one-third EMCs. I just don't think they're going to be able to do it. They just don't have the, the resources. I think what, what they can do is, is a partnership. Uh, so uh, you take these small 
these small rural EMCs where they don't even have a cheesecake factory in their whole you know, service territory, uh, it's gonna take a partnership. Uh, but I think those medium size EMCs, I think they're, they're looking at it. Uh, you know, the ones that have the good credit rating that have the substantial wherewithal, you know, uh, you know, to do that. So, and who knows, you know, what kind of creative partnerships, you know, could be developed. Well, thank you, Commissioner Echoes. You know, we really appreciate your leadership and the paving the way for broadband in rural Georgia and for sharing your recent legislative decisions with our audience today. Um, I hope all of you join us again for for Breakfast next Wednesday. We'll be back in Georgia and our topic will be quenching the thirst of a parched county in the broadband desert with PAC Fiber's Director of Operations, Noah Covington. So thanks for joining us today and we look forward to getting back together next Wednesday. Thanks all. Follow me on, yeah, follow me on Twitter at Tim Eccles. I'd love to hear from you today on Twitter and uh, Gary's organization uh, is on there as well. All right, great. You guys have a great day. Thank you.